0: Uh, new week, new show. Welcome to show number twelve of the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show, aptly named because that's me. Uh, and we have a lot to get to. Bill Graf, what's up, Billy? Awesome opening weekend. A lot Very learned. Yeah, we learned a lot. Uh, where do you want to kick it off? Let's talk about the new rules because I thought that there was. So I was. I think I was wrong, and I was. Horribly underestimating the impact of some stuff. Um the I, I didn't expect the pitch clock to be much of an issue. Uh I don't know how many games we played, but you had 14 violations opening day, 40 so far, considering the amount of games and the amount of at bats and the amount of pitches, that's not very many at all. Um, and players will adjust because everybody has to deal with it. Uh we saw the first uh um, muff by the umpires was in the Met game. Was that Saturday? Yes. What, what, what? yeah, and Alonso basically was walking off right. a foul
1: ball from second base back to first and somewhere halfway between first and second, they started the 32nd clock.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I didn't, uh, uh, that was nowhere in anything I read about um, because the, the, the bat can't start till the runner gets back to the base. And I didn't know that there was a time for, by the way, I'm, I'm kind of curious as to who is running the pitch clock it's the home plate, plate umpire the home plate umpire has a okay the home plate umpire runs the pitch clock that's interesting cuz uh you're going to have you're going to see some uh you're going to see some confrontations this year cuz there's going to be some umpires well, we'll talk about one of the worst ones uh ever uh either today or on on uh Friday's show uh being called out for being just bad uh and it wasn't Angel Hernandez believe it or not um but Couple things I noticed. So, so opening day, the Giants Yankees game. Uh, Yankees won five-nothing. I think the game was two hours and thirty-three minutes. Yep. Which was quicker than every home game uh in Yankee Stadium last year by a wide margin. But the thing that got me was there was 32 punch outs in the game. I think Cole Hamill or uh Garrett Cole had nine through four innings. He ended up with 10 or something, but there was yep. 32 punch outs. Uh, by uh, both 16 by both teams. 16 by a team that scored five runs. 16 by a team that scored none. Um, Tigers punched out 14 times on Sunday. Uh, strikeouts are up. They're up by a lot. Uh, the average K rate so far is 23.76%. Well, they're not. I, I, I thought it was up that much. It's 23.76 up from 22.54. But I think we saw the trend starting last year where the the game is turning into home runs or strikeouts. Um, I think that's kind of changing, though, uh, for a couple different reasons. Uh, Some surprising stuff. Saw five guys go seven innings in their first start, which I guess is the modern-day complete game. Um, 25 guys have gone six innings or more. 21 starting pitchers have given up zero runs. None went less than five. Very, very interesting. That was the stat that caught me because of
1: everything you've talked about, about the transition – to opening day, yep, you had twenty-one guys go out there and throw five, six, or seven scoreless innings.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, 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 the the fact that we're talking about that as something wowy is is in and of itself a problem for me. So the fact that we're talking about that is, um, I, I don't want to say offensive, but it, it's it's funny to me because uh, when you left spring training. Uh, you know, <laughs> I hate to say it back when I played, you know, you were ready to pitch a complete game opening day. That was your job. You were starting pitcher. Um, and now we're we're lauding these guys for going five. And it it's not necessarily the pitcher's fault. This is the way pitchers are being raised now. Um, but uh, the gentleman for the Mets, is it Kodai or Cody? Kodai. Kodai Singa. Uh <laughs> so he uh he had a good day he had a very good day uh he punched out uh eight and all eight were on his uh I'm gonna I'm gonna use air quotes for this ghost forkball uh his fastballs upper 90s 95 96 97 his is 85 uh just before we start getting off on oh my God it's a new pitch it's a forkball it's not a ghost fork. he can call it whatever he wants that's that's fine uh and you know you live your life but it's a fork ball. It's not more. And so the, and there's, a, the difference is this, a, a split finger fastball comes off your hands and you, and you, it rotates and you create rotation and downward break. A fork ball is literally, you split your fingers and the ball pops out of your hand. So you'll get very uh, awkward rotation. Uh, the only guy I ever saw with it, with that threw a true fork ball that was lethal and nasty was uh, a guy named Brian Harvey who closed for the Marlins. who was a phenomenal closer at the time. But he threw – all eight All eight Ks were on the fourth ball, all were swinging, um, and he only throws it 15% of the time with less than two strikes, 65% of the time with two strikes. So there's going to be a rush to getting uh, the bat on the ball before you get to two strikes with this guy. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Because so, so by holding the ball that way, Kurt, uh-huh. does that have more of a knuckling effect? Yes. It, it, it depends. It depends on the weather conditions. It's very hard to throw when it's dry, but it's very—it's probably harder to throw when it's, when it's humid because you don't want the ball sticking to your hand because you, sometimes you can just spike it. Um, but it depends. It depends on that. It depends on who, how the balls are rubbed up. Um, and a lot of it – see, my hands, while I think I have big hands, my hands are – that's why if you look, my right finger is kind of bent out. Um, that's because I used to walk around holding a ball like this all the time. Um, but guys that throw fork balls, it's even worse. I mean, this 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 is in my hand like that, where I have to use force to pull it out. Whereas the split, this is my split, or or uh, I would use, I would hold it this. I say, yeah, I would hold everything off to the side sometimes like this. But you can pull this out of my hand like this. It's a very di- different grip and a very different motion. Um, you can throw a split power pitchers when I, when I was throwing hard. My split could be 87 to 91. Um but a fork ball is low to mid eighties, depending on your on your power. Very different look and feel. Good hitters chase splits far more than they chase fastballs because it's an obvious rotation thing when the ball comes out of your hand, it pops out of your hand. So but it worked. He punched out eight. Uh I think he's at ad- as advertised in the first start that I saw, stuff, electric stuff. Um, but we're we're gonna get to the one that that I I, I mentioned opening day and uh, the numbers are pretty profound. Uh, the shift I did not, I knew it was going to affect the game. I don't know that I expected to be this drastic, this fast. Uh, at this point last season, batting average, the, uh, the splits were 230, 308 on base percentage, 374 slugging this year, 245, 323, 392. That is a profound and, 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 very significant difference. Um, and I saw it. I, I think I mentioned to you, Bill, I saw it five times on opening day. I saw five balls that were ground outs right. uh, that were hits. Um, and I started to realize that you're, it, it's it's going to do two things. It's going to create a desire and a need for quick infielders, infielders with range, which, excuse me, is old school. But I think more importantly, if you think about a guy like Dalton Barsho, who could, excuse me, play five or six positions, if you want, and you'll see, I think you'll see the Mets probably do this if somebody hasn't already done it. You're going to see somebody. There's going to be a hitter like a Joey Gallo who you know is not going to put the ball the other way, or somebody like that. They're going to bring an outfielder in to play the infield, and they'll vacate an outfield position to do that, which means there's going to be a premium on multi-positional position players. Not guys that you can put at second base, but guys that can play second base and guys that can play a corner outfield position. Because I think you're going to start to see that adjustment made. Uh, because I know every... And, and analytics are going to be hilarious to read because that you know that it's had a, a profound effect. And um, I would I would argue for the most part, it's probably having an impact on every single game every day. And that's that it's going to be very interesting to see how those numbers play out. The other one, uh, I said the first day I thought this was going to be the most dramatic. I thought stolen bases were going to change dramatically uh and I thought they did um So opening day this year, 21 of 23 in stolen base attempts compared to last year, five of nine um most successful stolen base on any day of baseball since 1907. And so far through Sunday, and this is the number to pay attention to. In 2022, base runners were 29 of 43 for a 67% success rate, 67.4. In 2023, base runners are 70 of 84. The league is running above 80%, 83.3%. Absurd. That is... So you you hear a term called green light. And for the most part, there are very few guys in your lineup you give the green light. And the green light is, hey, if you got a stolen base, take it. But you better be safe. And by you better be safe, and I always the, the number I always got from Theo was 80%. If you can guarantee me an 80% success rate, then you have a green light. The league is running at an 80% success rate. And Kurt, so you've got the stolen
1: bases way up. And you've got batting averages way up. And a lot of those are singles, which are putting people on first base. That just all alters how games are being played.
0: Well, and you've heard me say this a couple of times. At its core, baseball is very simple math, right? On-base percentage is up, which means there's more base runners. There is a higher success rate in stolen bases, which means, what is it? Almost double the amount of stolen bases to this point in the game, which over a course of a season is going to be dramatic. So you're going to have more runners in scoring position. Hence you're going to have more runs. You're going to have more offense Um, in a two and a half hour game. Right. I mean, we're talking about the pitch clock and all the things that go with that. And the games are, are quick. There's, you know, it's going to be what it is from a timing perspective. The game's going to be faster. Um, But I got to tell you, I I, I saw somebody commenting the other day, a fan, who said, holy crap, I can't get through five beers in a game now. And I kind of laughed about it, but think about that. Think about the concession sales that will cease to exist. And we're not talking about $2 sodas and $3 beers, right? We're talking about hundreds of thousands, and it's going to end up being millions and millions of dollars in concessions lost because you're shaving 60 minutes, an hour. So in a ballpark, in one hour in a ballpark, how many beers, hot dogs, Cokes, popcorn, nachos do you think sell, right? No more. So nice. I'm curious. I'm very curious to see how the owners react to that. Yeah, I
1: saw the Indians
0: and Mariners
1: played a game, a 2 nothing game, in two hours and three minutes. Yep. That's a college basketball game.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think... I, I made 400 some starts in the big leagues. I think I was under two hours and five minutes, like five times in wow. my entire career. I pitched against Mark Burley and that could have been 21 to 20 and still been two hours and two minutes. But um, uh, yeah, but like I said, I, I told you the pitch clock isn't going to affect good pitchers it, and it really hasn't. And you've seen, I think everybody's kind of just trying to get used to it. I think the umpires are as well. But off of that, you had uh, that stolen base stat. You had the Orioles, who uh, I do want to talk about for a second. Uh, they had ten stolen bases through their uh, well, it was their first two games, which is the third most by any team in major league history. And again, I, I when I say, when you say major league history, you're talking about a century. That is that is incredible. Uh, speaking of the Orioles, whose offense is clearly, Adley Rushman was five for five opening day. Uh, I know he had an 0 for 5 uh, Sunday, punched out three times. I think had a, had a but he's still hitting like 400. Anyway, um, they're one and two. Uh, they beat Boston once. should have Should have actually swept them. Uh, they've scored 23 runs in their first three games, and and I think opening day they were up eight to one or nine to one, and they ended up winning by like a nine eight score. Uh, they had a lead in the next two games. They bombed Chris Sale uh, and still got beat. Their bullpen has given up nine earned runs. 16 hits, five walks, in 13 and two-thirds for an ERA of just over six. Uh, interesting numbers that Bill, Bill, you mentioned. They're one of eight bullpens that spe- less, spent less than $10 million total on its pitchers. Only the Cubs and oh, Guardians on are on bullpen pitchers. pitchers. On his bullpen pitchers. Right, 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 on his bullpen pitchers. Um, and there's eight teams that have done it. The Cubs and the Guardians are the only teams considered contenders. And then uh, the 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 uh, guard has just signed. Place their their close. I'm assuming he's going to be their closer to a five year, twenty million dollar deal. So, oh, he's
1: definitely their closer. He has right. nasty stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, there's that. It, the the problem now is like I watch TV, and you can say that about just about every guy I see. Oh, you can. It's, nasty. it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so so the the rules are having an enormous impact. Don't know if it's positive. Don't know if it's negative. I don't know what the viewership ratings are. Um, I've seen as much negative feedback as I have seen positive. Uh, for a timeless game, it's going very quickly. Um, and I'm sure that the younger generation loves it. Uh, I know the older generation, the get off my lawn generation, probably not as big of fans. Um, but you know what? As someone who spent every Sunday night of about four years of my career, as the Sunday night ESPN game, Yankees-Red Sox, which was never less than four and a half hours. I don't know that that's a horrible thing. Um, and Yankee fans are getting uh, uh, a good team that's going to finish games. in a- But well, Because if you look at the way – the look at any good lineup, the way the, the Yankees and Red Sox were built throughout the years, you had two lineups that were on base percentage machines, which means a lot of pitches, which means a lot of pitching changes, which means a lot of walks, which means a lot of base runners, which means a lot of throwovers. So, uh, yeah, that's that's interesting to see that, that, that they're doing the things they're doing and they're doing it uh, inside of a 20 minute, 20 second pitch clock. I think they're going to see some tweaks, probably not till next year, um, because I, I think the sample size of the season will be more than enough to adjust. Um, somewhere, somehow I forgot about the base runner on second, which I think might be the dumbest thing I've ever seen uh i thought it was stupid when it happened i thought it was stupid and it's stupid now it's it's not baseball that's not that's what we used to do when the sun was going down and the street lights were going out and we needed the game to get over i don't think that's what the yankees need to do to get a game done i really uh, don't i think and, it's, I, think and it's, I will tell you kurt i think that is universal from players
1: to managers to fans yeah i'm not sure who likes this
0: Right. Well, you can make an argument now that a, a 12 or 13 inning game is now a three hour game instead of a five and a half hour game. Right. If you're if you're getting two nine innings in two forty five or two thirty, then, you know, you're talking about another hour for another couple extra innings because it messes with statistics. It com- it's absolutely messes with the outcome of a game. You know what it feels like, Bill? It feels like the college football tie rule almost. Yeah. And I don't think it has any place in the big leagues. I I, I think it's a stupid rule when it was implemented. I think it's a stupid rule now. And I think it's going to be stupid until they get rid of it. Yeah, I totally agree with you. If they don't do it in the postseason, why? Because it's stupid. And it's not real baseball. Well, and you're telling me you don't want a game in October decided, but it's okay if a game in September is, right? The game to get you into October contains a rule that won't be in the game in October. That doesn't, there's no logic if you follow that. So anyway. Um, questions. So yes, let's go to questions.
1: Best one I saw all week was who was your hardest murderers row that you faced? Kind of like the Padres right, right. now and
0: their their order. Uh, there were two. Uh, the 1993 Blue Jays had the best offense I've ever seen. Uh, you had Ricky Henderson, Devon White, Roberto Alomar, uh, Joe Carter, Paul Molitor. Um, yeah, Tony Fernandez. The, uh, I mean, it was just, it was insane. Um, and I'm probably forgetting a Hall of Famer or three. And then the other one was the late 90s uh, Yankees. Um, you know, from with, with that core of Jeter, Martinez, uh, Posada, Bernie Williams, uh, and then they sprinkled in a, a Hall of Famer every year or somewhere else um that that lineup. and then the Yankees really were an issue for me when they got Matsui because he was probably as tough an out in that lineup as anybody that I faced by a by a long shot. They had Sheffield. I mean, it was just ridiculous i I, I and then they had a rod. Uh, I thank God, I never had to face the two thousand and three, four, five Red Sox because that the lineup I pitched for was. Was just sick, but I would say the '93 Blue Jays was the most talented lineup I ever faced in my life. Um, saw some stacked lineups, and there were a lot of times people put lineups out there that they said was stacked, but didn't it didn't come to fruition. Um, and then the late '90s Yankees, uh, '90s Jeter's rookie year, '96, '97, '98, '99, those were all going into the early 2000s. That that lineup was just stacked, stacked. And then the lineup I didn't see. There were two other lineups that I, I, I saw one and the other one I didn't. The 94 Expos was an amazing lineup. And I thank God I wasn't in the American League to face the late 90s Cleveland Indians. Because that was, I mean, I don't think people understand what that was. Albert Bell, Kenny Lofton, Roberto Alomar, Manny Ramirez, Jim Tome, uh Eddie Murray was in there at some point. I mean, it was just, it, Carlos Baerga, uh uh who was the third baseman um not Travis Fryman Corey Snyder was early but there was it was insane and how that team didn't win a world series with Bartolo Colon and all those guys I don't know but that was a that was an insane lineup uh that was that was a kind of a modern day Padres uh it was a modern day Padres lineup with better hitters I think so I, I don't know that anybody in the Padres lineup is a Manny Ramirez or a, a, an Albert Bell in their prime. I mean, obviously. Could, will be, can be Soto, obviously, but uh, I don't know about those. Manny in his prime was one of the greatest that ever lived. And and Albert was a hall of famer uh, in many ways uh, going in there. And so was Kenny Lofton. The fact that Kenny Lofton got less than 5% on his first ballot is, is should have ended writers voting for anything other than best garbage man, because Kenny Lofton was a borderline Hall of Fame outfielder. So there's the, that's the lineup.
1: Well, wow. can you imagine Kenny Lofton running bases today?
0: Oh Ricky my god. Ricky Henderson running bases today. Yeah, Vince Coleman. Vince Coleman. Yeah. Willie McGee.
1: Wow. Absolutely unbelievable. Did you see anything opening weekend that you looked at and went Wow! Other than things on the rules,
0: uh, I have a little spark of hope for Anaheim. Watching Trout and Otani go back to back, uh, the the other day, uh, I don't even remember seeing that happen last year. I'm sure it did, but uh, I don't know. I like the vibe out of Anaheim early. Um, a lot of questions, obviously, but I didn't see. I mean, there's. I would argue that in my life, there's as much talent in the game today as any time I've ever seen in my life. From And in, and in, in, I think you could build a potential full Hall of Fame team from a 25 and under and 25 and over lineup. Very comfortably build a team in both. Um, and I'm not sure that that's kind of the case has been the case in the past uh, 10, 15 years. I think there's more young talent in the game than than, than any time in my lifetime.
1: That's crazy. I... I actually got to watch Dylan Cease's start and I'm mad that I didn't put future money on him to win Cy Young. Who? Dylan Cease from the White Sox. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he had a phenomenal.
1: Well, Garrett Cole looks sensational. Otani looks sensational. The American League
0: is stacked. Oh, my goodness. With arms. Yeah. Without the Dodgers and Padres. Exactly. Yeah exactly
1: well great opening weekend kurt i think we're lining up for a really interesting season don't forget to tune into outkick for baseball coverage and everything else
0: yeah outkick.com guys check it out uh so far good feedback if you got any feedback you want to hear anything i'm gonna i'm gonna whip out so i'm gonna actually scoot my camera over here bill for a sec oh no camera's up here actually i won't uh, what i'll do is i have a bag here bill you can okay. see the end of it's really dusty yep. this was my my pitching bag this has all my notebooks in it and i pulled it out of the garage and it's funny because it is dirty as hell but I found like all my there's lineup cards from from games. This is my 200th win. This is uh a game I pitched in two, I struck out 17. Uh but but here's the thing that's fun about this, right? I I, I go to this is a uh, 1993 against the Marlins. Leading off Chucky Carr, hitting second Brett Barbary, third Jeff Conine, Aristidis Destrade. Alex Arias, Bob, Rob, I think Rob Natal, Whitmore, Walt Weiss, starting Charlie Huff. In the bullpen, Brian Harvey, who I mentioned earlier, uh, Santiago, on the bench, Santiago, McGriff, Sheffield. I mean, the names are just, and so I go through, and here's one that I ha- I left. So this is, uh, this is 1990, I believe, 92. When uh, no, it might be '93, but this is uh, Phillies Reds leading off for the Cincinnati Reds. Want to get a, take a guess? What year? Deon Sanders yeah. hitting second. Reggie Sanders, Barry Larkin, Hal Morris, Brett Boone, Benito Santiago. I mean, just so yeah. So anyway, in the future, what I plan on doing is uh. Uh, going through this. I have my notes and my notebook stuff in there and uh, I'm going to bring it out and I'm going to walk people through uh, how my notebook came to be and what it was and what it contained and all the things go with that uh, once I dust it all off. So that'll be a future episode.
1: I can't wait. Absolutely
0: can't wait. Have Have a great week, guys. See you guys on Friday.